RadioInfluence.com. everyone and welcome to the monday edition of the dark delight podcast with michael pelka that was so happy i know it's fake the whole oh. thing is fake it's all a fraud it's me michael pelka happy freaking monday <laughs> and beans <laughs> you happy now yeah so we were going back and forth this morning about the things that we're going to talk about there there's you know there's the obvious right the uh the ukraine situation Yes. What's actually happening there, because we're starting to get a little bit more flat footing on it, sort of. There's COVID, a whole bunch around the COVID space. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little bit about that interview that we were BSing about back and forth. Oh, the uh, the one with MK and RFK JR. Yes, <laughs> is today. And then we're going to talk about transitional athletes in sports for a minute. Yeah, I know. It's it's so confusing. Our world is so confusing. I'm glad I don't have children like you have because I would just throw my hands in the air and shrug my shoulders and say, I got no idea. I, I, I Yeah, right. That, that says it all. Right there. Yeah, can you imagine your kid comes home from school? Hey, what'd you learn in school today? Well, we learned how to talk. What? It's terrible. Let's just start there because we're on there, okay? The picture. Well, first of all, I don't even. Please re- remind me who, what this athlete's, if you can call it that, what the the name of this man is. Uh, Leah Thomas is the name that we're supposed to use when we talk about the University of Pennsylvania swimmer who used to be ranked like number four hundred fifty eight when Leah was a man. And so a horrible swimmer. Yeah, terrible swimmer. Well, still, out of all uh, collegiate swimmers, you're in the top 500. Certainly a better swimmer than I or you, I might imagine. And yet not competitive when it came to college athlete. So Leah became Leah, transitioned, at least announced everybody that he was now a she, but still kept the twig and berries. So... You know, so now we're supposed to say, okay, good. Put on one of them bigger suits and get in the pool. So there was a, there was a, what is it? South Park. Was it South Park? Yeah. South Park did a kind of a silly take on it too. South Park had that supposedly from the, the tweet that I saw years ago. Yeah. Like years and years ago where Randy Macho Man Savage comes out. Yeah. As, as uh, trans. (laughs) And yeah, like <laughs> still with the full hair and the beard and the big Randy Macho King Savage look. <laughs> and they're talking the, the the clip has the sportscaster interviewing a female in the in the competition saying, oh, it's so great. The inclusivity, it's going to be wonderful. And then have you met this person yet? No, I haven't gotten to meet her yet. And then out comes Randy Savage, who's obviously saying he's going to kick the living daylights out of any woman who comes near him and and the women's standing there like um okay so there's of course this this paradigm that i want to talk about and it's this the the left is is a perpetual victim class yeah and and once one victim class obtains whatever liberation they think that they should have they move on and make another victim class and then that victim class attacks the victim class that came before it for not being inclusive enough of it and so you're starting to see these people who started off with radical feminism say, wait a second, we're supposed to be cherished as women and we're women and we're powerful and we can do this, 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 but you can't be a woman too. You're not a woman. And so now the trans community is attacking the feminists and the feminists are realizing the bed that they decided that they were going to lay in and the hole that they decided they were going to dig. And those of us, who told them this would happen are sitting on the sidelines with giant buckets of buttered popcorn, loving every second of it. You're slowly eating the popcorn too. Yeah. Yeah. I might even crunch on some of the unpopped kernels at the bottom of the bucket too, just not to have to get up and leave. We're going to get down there because this is going to go for a while. I mean, how are you going to now? Like there are women who are feminists saying, stop 
trivializing the fact that I can birth a human being. You can't do that. Yes, I can. <laughs> I, I just hear like Ethel Merman from Annie Get Your Gun. I can do it. <laughs> you can. And did we know if Ethel Merman really was a woman? I'm not sure. Anything I can do you. Oh, wait, anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can. Yes, I can. <laughs> So uh, we won't sing. It's just too painful. But yeah, so this conundrum, which is spreading and spreading and spreading. And a lot of people say, well, you're transphobic, Mike. You're, why, why won't you let this person? I said, because it's not honest. No, and it's not fair. And you guys are all about fairness. Well, this isn't fair. So is there it appears as though this person tanked their last competition and was like three seconds or 2.5 seconds behind the winner. Yeah. So Leah Thomas wins the uh, individual race a couple days ago and then has two more races, but finishes fifth and eighth, which means eighth you're dead last. And um, Caitlin Jenner, formerly known as decathlon champion, Bruce Jenner uh, even said uh, she wasn't trying hard enough. She wasn't doing her best, which of course, of course, you're going to tank it because you can't handle the truth coming out. Now, one of these um, one of these discussions was held over the weekend in my circles, and we were talking about this very topic. And um, one of the women, an actual biological woman, uh, said, well, you know, the other athletes are really at fault. These women are at fault. For what? How, how are they at fault? They're they're kind of being victimized here by by this um, genetically uh, a man, biologically a man, but in the brain there's a there's a a firing that isn't happening correctly. Uh, they said, "Well, if none of them would compete, this would not happen." I said, "What? Yeah, they all should stand on the blocks when the gun goes off and just then sit down and wait for Leah to finish her laps." And I thought, "Well, that's an interesting take." But if you're one of those athletes and you're on a scholarship and you can't afford college if you don't have a scholarship, the NCAA is going to throw you out yeah. and you're going to lose your scholarship. Yeah, that's another problem is that, you know, these these women have worked their entire lives. And I have no problem as a woman saying, yeah, men are freaking stronger than me. They're built that way. Like. They can lift things that I can't lift. And maybe if I practiced a lot, I'd be able to get close. But they have different bodies than I do. Like, I don't care how many hormones you take. It, it, why don't we get some of the soy boy leftists to swim against these women instead? Well, you realize the funny thing is that back in the 60s and the 70s, the East Germans and the Soviet Union were messing with male swimmers after they got through puberty to make them like female swimmers so they could kick butt in the women's Olympic competitions. Really? And they, yeah. And so I it's Russian the, propaganda. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> well, it's not Russian disinformation. It actually was happening in the Soviet union. We used to joke about it all the time. And, um, and, and when the, um, when the Germany's reunited, when East Germany went away, all of the scientists who worked on, genetically modifying these people once they went through puberty. They'd wait till the guy went through puberty, then they'd inject them with a bunch of stuff, and they could then compete as women. Uh, China hired them all. Oh, surprise. And so then China had this surge in, in Olympic dominance, especially in areas like diving and swimming. And golly, Bob, howdy, people wonder, <laughs> where did you get all this knowledge? Uh, East Germany, we bought it from East Germany. So uh, I posted a photo of a 1976 cover from the National Lampoon, which was, I realized, well before you arrived here in this here life. But the, the cover is, it actually was out there. My mother was so mad at me. She, whenever she'd catch me with National Lampoon, because they would have occasionally have topless pictures in there, she'd be like, hey, you're not having that smut in here. <laughs> but it's funny, Mom. It's really funny. Uh, but they had a Soviet um, athlete, or at least someone dressed as a Soviet athlete, and it was supposed to be a woman. But in the in the area of the athletic shorts, 
you see um, uh, the outline of a substantial penis. <laughs> and it's just the cover. <laughs> it's the cover. And I posted it. It got more response on Instagram and Facebook this weekend than just about anything I've posted in a long time. And I have to tell you, it, it's pretty damn funny. And, uh, you know, some people are saying, Mike, that's really terrible. Why are you doing that? I said, because it's true. There's a big, I, there's a bigger issue though here that everybody seems to be, okay. you know, waltzing over. There's a lot of issues, but go ahead. What's the, what's the bigger one you see? I'm going to go this way. Somebody, um, Bryson, Bryson Gray, he's a, he's a, a rapper for like a conservative rapper. Okay. I'm it's, not familiar. He says, if that trans swimmer put on a MAGA hat and screams socialism, socialism is bad. He'll be speaking at the next conservative event. I wonder, though. Now, see, I, I don't completely agree with that. Well, if you listen to Matt Schlapp, you would. Well, and I consider Matt to be a friend. I uh, haven't talked to him about this. He says he, he, he tweeted, which oh, I saw that in your in your newsletter, by the way. Um, he says, no matter what one thinks of Leah's ability to swim with women, her story deserves our compassion. It will be interesting to hear Leah's point of view in 30 years. And he shares a New York Post column that says transgender swimmer Leah Thomas pushes back against critics. Well, I think that's just respecting free speech, but also offering the uh, the opportunity to say, hey, what's this going to be like in 30 years? I'm not going to make any statement about what Matt said either way. Here's the bigger issue for me. It's not even just that. It's this. We've got radical feminists. I, I wish I had the clip handy, but saying, listen, we have no home at, in the Democrat Party anymore. They, they've, I, think true. I, uh, I think that's absolutely true. They don't. So so we've got these displaced people who can't call their political party that they've been in forever home anymore. They don't feel like that party represents them because they're not uber, uber, uber progressive. But they're also not conservative, Mike. But the conservatives and the Republicans are saying, come here. Well, that's the big tent theory that the Democrats used for forever to build what they call a majority in public opinion when there really isn't one for that movement. And it's it's kind of like what libertarians say. As long as you're against giant government, we welcome you. The problem is they're not. OK, so yeah, what we're, we're seeing and we'll see, I think, and I've been saying this for a couple of years is the education is going to be super important because educating these folks on why their big government policies do not work and are absolutely terrible is going to be crucial if we just bring everybody over and don't show them why big government is bad. We're going to just effectively take conservatism and move it to the left. Well, it's going to be like um, what happened in Colorado and California over decades where a bunch of people came there or people who are migrating out of New York and New Jersey and going to Florida mm -hmm. and the people in Florida going, hold on a second, hold on a second. You, we're going to stop you at the border at the Florida Georgia line. And you have to take all of the liberal crap out of your trunk and we're going to put it in a giant shredder. That's where and don't California. My Texas came from. Yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And don't, don't uh, New York, my Florida at which we're seeing, but, this is the the difficulty. And you have to when you said education, I was going another direction, but I see what you're saying. We have to educate the voting class. It's I also maintain that this is about educating the kids, too. Yes, because that's simultaneously educating people who have a, who are old enough to vote and may not have or are voted incorrectly, as well as the people who are going to be voting in the next 15 or 12 years. That's really important. And that, that kind of started in Virginia and Bucks County with the school board um, revolution, I guess I'm going to call it. But I, I'm really interested to see where the feminist movement falls on this. Where are they going to, are they going to jump in lockstep with the party and say, all right. I, I hope not. Well, what, what's going to make it happen? What, where is, and like swimming's not a sport where anybody makes a lot of money and can live on it. I mean, really count, count on your hand, or maybe you'll need two hands. The famous swimmers who make a living 
from swimming. I only have one that I can come up with in my head. Yeah, they're they're really who is it? Because I can't Phelps. Yeah, Michael Phelps, but he's now made a living after swimming. He's not like if you look at tennis or golf. Uh, I'm talking individual sports. You have you have people who can make a living doing Playing. what they did in college. Yeah, but not so with swimming. You win uh, an NCAA medal in swimming or a title in in swimming. You better have a. Uh, a chemical engineering degree if you want to make a six-figure income after graduation. Yeah, it's not a lucrative, financially lucrative sport here in the United States. But just because it's swimming today doesn't mean that they're not going to now make it, oh, I don't know, what what women's sport is there? Other Like softball? Okay. I mean, why can't you just play baseball? Why, are we going to see women transitioning to men start wanting to be in, in the NFL? I wonder, did we have that? Now we have a uh, we have um I don't think I don't think we have anyone who's trans who's tried to even compete. In they can't. Football. They'd be destroyed. Well, people say field goal kickers. Yeah, right. the, okay. is there a kicker? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's anyone who's trans who's tried it. There have been women who have tried it in uh, not division division one NCAA football, but there are. Uh, barrier breakers, as they're called. You know, they just broke through. Well, I, I this was intentional. I think if you look at this, the swimming thing was intentional because it, it's probably the the sport with the least pushback. If you see what I'm saying, the it's not a sport that someone wants to compete and make their living. I guess. I guess. What I'm starting to see, though, is baseball starting to pick pick up women coaches. And so what? Why not? I'm okay I'm, with that. I, I mean, I, I'm okay with the trans lady who won all the Jeopardy episodes because you don't need the uh, the male body doesn't help you in Jeopardy. The brain helps you. And I think that's the same way in the cerebral position like coaching. I'm just seeing like this is what I would prefer. Okay. Don't highlight it. Just let it be. Don't use it as a PR push for your team. Just let it be. Yeah, but that's the whole thing. You want to get your um, you want to get your social justice warrior ribbons. It's virtue signaling. Well, and- then then you beg the question: Are they hiring these women because they're actually as good as they you know as they need to be, or because they want their social justice warrior ribbon? And probably both. And you hope both for the sake of the, the reputation of the person who is being used in that way. It's the same way. Can we make a parallel to what's going on today and will go on for several days this week? And that's the confirmation hearing of uh, Judge Katenji Brown Jackson. Oh, yeah. And let's just say a prayer for uh, Clarence Thomas, please. Yes. Say several prayers for Justice Clarence Thomas, who. But how weird was it? We didn't find out. Seven o'clock last night, the story broke all across the news world. Yeah. But he was in the hospital Friday. Yes, they probably waited to make sure they had it under control. And there was an addendum to the Supreme Court bulletin that came out about it that also had to tamp down the fires that people were asking, is it COVID? Is it COVID? Is it COVID? And they're saying no. But how do we know? Because of, you know, privacy. They're saying that he has been getting intravenous antibiotics, which not... I mean, you could use that for a viral pneumonia, I mean, a, a bacterial pneumonia, not necessarily COVID. It could be a secondary infection. We don't know. But they say he was hospitalized with flu-like symptoms. I, I don't know. I just want him to be okay, not only just because he's such an amazing Supreme Court justice. He's just an amazing human being. Can I tell you, um, and I freaked my wife out yesterday. I know that happens daily, all the time. Um, I had a flash on Sunday morning and out of nowhere coming back from the golf course. And this is so freaky. I'm almost afraid to say it out loud. I had a flash that Clarence Thomas passed away. No. Oh God, did I ever? And I, I stopped and I went, that's not real. And I, I did say a little prayer saying, please God look out for Clarence Thomas. Cause I am such a fan of him. And if you don't know, you should see the movie that uh, Michael Peck, directed the documentary about Clarence Thomas in his own words, telling the story of his life. It is powerful. 
And uh, and then we came home and we're having dinner and my phone goes bloop. Justice Clarence Thomas is hospitalized and I turned paler what? than I already am. That's insane. So say a prayer for Justice Clarence Thomas. He is just a remarkable man and maybe the most conservative justice on the court right now, I think. Uh, absolutely. And he, he has a man of principle and integrity. There are two concepts that are long lost, long, long lost. So, um, but yeah, what's her name? The the black justice who's sitting there or ju- judge who's sitting there only because she's black and a woman and has apparently a pr- proclivity for letting child molesters off the hook. Yeah, she's kind of lax on that. And there were some really insane comments from the harpies on The View last week who said that uh, she could she could outshine Whoopi particularly saying she could outshine all them other justices that we put in there before. And that's not the point. But she's also Whoopi's also the person who said that that Jill Biden should be the Surgeon General. She's a fantastic doctor. (laughs) So how do you have a show on network television that is generally news related and and be so disgustingly uninformed. Uh, how how do you have a show on a network television being paid millions of dollars a year, estimated 10 to $13 million a year as Whoopi is paid and be so amazingly uninformed? Um, uh, I have no idea, but she's, I'll tell you this. Whoopi's funny. No, she's and not. Not, she is funny. I know this personally, but she's not smart. When it comes to the politics, not completely. She's blinded by her loyalty to the party. Capital P. I don't think she's funny. I've never thought she was funny. I should hang out with her. You two would laugh. No. Yeah, Politically, I can look past someone's politics if they're working on the funny. But if they're using their funny to denigrate someone politically with ignorance, then I won't. I won't accept it. And we've had that argument. Yeah, I, I, I wish that comedians would just not let us know what their politics are and make jokes about life. That way we could enjoy Me and my husband love stand-up comedy. We love it. And finding a comedian who doesn't go there and make you hate them is really hard. Yeah. Cause I used to love a guy named Mike Berbiglia. I don't know if you know that name. No. Berbiglia was probably the best of the second tier behind all the huge names. And his special on sleepwalk with me, because he has he sleepwalks and in order not to sleepwalk because he could he couldn't have relationships because he would sleepwalk all the time. He would have to sleep inside a sleeping bag, zipped up all the way, wearing oven mitts on his hands. So he, <laughs> I, I, I kid you not, it's one of the funniest 20 minute stories you'll ever hear. But he has now come out and he is radically liberal and I just can't, it's ruined the funny for me. Yeah. See, it ruins it. It absolutely ruins it. That's like, um, what's going on right now. And I don't know that you could call him a comedian ever really, but like I will, I've been watching with, with interest for a couple of years now, Russell Brand, who was, he irritates me. I just find him irritating. he, He was a complete socialist for lack of a better word. Because he was even worse than that, I'd argue, in my opinion, because I've been watching him for a very long time. And he was, this is what I found, even in 2016 and 2015, when the WikiLeaks emails came out and I was going through and and reporting on what everything meant because nobody really knew the history behind any of these foundations and the people and who they were and why and blah, blah, blah. The the progressives, the normal everyday progressive person has a massive heart and cares very much about their fellow man. Mm-hmm. When you can educate that they, they also care very much about the truth. So yeah. when you can educate them about the truth of things and the facts behind them, and they realize that they may have been wrong, they tend to move over. It's crazy because like half of the audience that was paying attention to my reporting was on the left. And through watching and seeing the sourced information, the factual reporting, all that stuff, they moved over and they understood why all those concepts we talked about at the beginning are bad because they started to see 
the results of them, how they were lied to. That's the biggest thing. Most I said on the on the board of the Walkaway Foundation. Did you know that? I, I was not aware of that I'm a, I'm a fan of Mr. Strzok. Yeah, he's a dear friend. So I sit on the board and one of the things that I've seen in working with them is that the people that leave, they do learn and they, they you know, when the education happens, when that you teach people why and show them why these things are bad, it happens because they're at the core of them. They're truth seekers that have been lied to and they get angry about it, very angry about it. So Russell Brand has made this move from what I would call the far left. And I don't even know if it's to the right as much as it is to truth. Yeah, I don't think he is um, even allowing anyone to call him a conservative, but he's more just saying, just tell me in, in his words, the truth. Yeah. He has that funny British way of saying truth. Is he British? Yeah. Don't you remember the Bookie Wook thing, the thing he did with Bookie and the horrible Arthur movie? I even forgive him for that if he walks away from the uh, far, far left. And I, I believe a lot of this has to do and a lot of the um, the epiphanies of liberals have happen when they actually start being responsible for themselves. Or they're affected by something that causes them to look a little deeper or just... Yeah. Like what the I think that again, and I I, like I've said this before, but the covid fiasco for most people who are reasonable, I think kind of jolted them from their seats and said, wait a second. It was it it, it started with covid and they were kind of getting there with all the nonsense, contradictory crap that was coming out. And then it started with the election where a lot of people knew that even though Biden won. He probably didn't really win. Yeah. And then it was further compounded after the election. And now they're just like standing there like, what the hell is even happening right now? If all of this only gets them to pause and ask, is that really true? Then we're going in the right direction. Yeah. For so many years, the default was just pull the lever on the on the left hand side. I grew up in Chicago where, you know, you vote early and often, and if you're dead, you get to vote. But it was always Democrat. It was Democrat, Democrat, Democrat. And I, I found that that sheeple thing where people just go there to be so frustrating. Because like, wait a minute, there's this guy right here is a bad guy. How do you vote? Well, he's a Democrat. Yeah. The part. I'm like, How? it doesn't make sense, but that's changed now. So the awakening that has occurred over the last two years even though we have to wade through some of the garbage that was foisted upon us, that's how, but you know, what worries me. There are some people who have been cemented in their beliefs by this. There are still people who were where well, will wear their St. Fauci pins every day. And they would mask up today on uh, to go outside. And it makes no damn sense. No, I mean, like you had in your little prep email this morning that you do every day, you had the, person who flipped out at the people's convoy in DC. Oh yeah. The male Karen. Yeah. (laughs) I I mean, the guy was unhinged. Yeah. It's, it's so funny how the people on the left and if you're on the right, you're doing this, you're a problem. Don't want free speech. If it's a different opinion than theirs, they don't want that first amendment, the right to protest to be allowed if it's a different opinion from that person's and that's what this little male Karen was freaking about freedom convoy is in DC. And he, and he literally called them all without knowing anything about these people, Nazis and, and, and racists. Well, that's because they've been trained. They've been trained by uh, their, their partners on the left in the media that anyone who doesn't agree with us is obviously a white supremacist, Nazi racist. Yeah. And they just don't look beyond the surface. And they're also, that's a rather Saul Alinsky-like tactic in an effort to freeze somebody. Because one of the rules for radicals, one of those points is to freeze your opponent with an insult that they have to stop their normal argument to defend themselves against your insult. It's it's the did you beat your wife question. Or when did you stop beating your wife? Yeah. That makes you because you can say, I never beat my wife. But if they say, when did you stop beating your wife? Then you're like, what the hell? So it is it is. um, And and the sadness is that 
both sides used to tend to rush to the Nazi thing. I think we're starting to see uh, a greater proportion or a greater portion of people not doing that anymore. I hope that's true. Well, it's watered down now. It doesn't mean anything anymore. That's the isn't, same thing. Isn't that sad? It's the same thing that the left has done with pedophilia. Well, now, I, the pedophilia thing, I think, is not just watered down. I think this is actually a coordinated effort to minimize it and to try and gain acceptance of it. Well, they weaponized it politically. So so they used the fact they used it to to they used what they would they have deemed conspiracy theories to weaponize pedophilia politically so that if you say you are against it or talk about it or showcase the terrible things that have happened and who, you know, who has been responsible for some of them, you're automatically a conspiracy theorist crazy person the second you start to do that, which has allowed them to then normalize it the way you're saying, because anybody in the middle who would have spoken out against it before stands back a second and says, well, I don't want to be considered a crazy conspiracy theorist, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut on this. It's unbelievable. Isn't it? It's just, this is what has happened, in my opinion, my humble opinion. Your humble, your very humble opinion. I was just trying to find something I had seen on social media over the weekend and it was a cover of a Australian newspaper. And the headline was talking about Hunter Biden's laptop may contain naked photos of underage girls. It does. And so why is the pedophilia not being questioned about Hunter Biden because we're not allowed to bring up Hunter Biden. We're still not allowed. If if this story wasn't criminally suppressed in my like it, it was almost criminal what they did with the story before the election and the man that actually brought that laptop forward, what they're doing to him now. Oh, my God. He's being absolutely slaughtered by the Justice Department. It's it's weaponization. This is not an, a free a free country anymore. Like. People need to understand they're, they've weaponized the Justice Department and, against. And, and that's what the left accused Trump of doing. But again, finger pointed at Trump, three pointing right back at themselves. Yes. Yes. So, so they did just that. Yeah. So now here we have this Hunter Biden laptop story getting credibility from The New York Times, who basically didn't The New York Times publish the letter from the 51 supposed uh, former yeah. Yeah, Politico did. And uh, none of those guys are answering their phones right now, by the way. Clapper actually doubled down. Axios has a story out on it today. Of course he did. Of course he did. But Brennan's not answering, not not responding to any calls. Brennan, <laughs> I, 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 seriously, it's just terrible. I mean, it's terrible. Like the things there were crimes committed and Joe Biden was a part of them. And he's sitting in the Oval Office right now. Meanwhile, the New York um, AG is trying to find anything and everything sneezed in the wrong direction from the Trump family to prosecute them on. That's right. You people took post-it notes that were paid for with company money. <laughs> it's like the biggest like and the, it's anything that comes out of there now, Mike, I'm like, there's just no way it's real because they've had eight years digging through this man's life to try and find anything criminal they could possibly find and have come up completely empty. Yeah, it's it's more than disturbing. And I, I just Miranda Devine's piece in the post today is is worth reading again. But I'm a big fan of Miranda. I'm not going to lie about it. And And she's pointing back, constantly pointing back to the laptop and what was going on and why I just hope we get to it. Before Joe retires, is um, Amendment 25 or he decides not to run again because Hillary's going to run? And by the way, did, do we think there is a concerted effort by the Clintons to get Joe out? I wouldn't be surprised, but I mean, I don't think that anybody is going to vote for Hillary Clinton. Well, I don't either. And even though a whole bunch of people did the the last time in 2016, but there is a one of the whisper campaigns I'm hearing is that the Clintons are really pushing to try and point out all of the frailties of Joe Biden in order to get him out so that she can run. And you notice the 
the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, did you see his tribute to the female secretaries of state in America's past? No. There was one name left out. Really? Yes. Huh. One female American Secretary of State's name didn't get mentioned by Antony Blinken. Could it be Hillary Rodham Clinton? You just have to think about this again. Everything that's going on right now in Ukraine was percolating during the Trump administration, Mm -hmm. starting with this perfect call to Zelensky and then the laptop and all the same cast of characters. And even back into the 2016 election with the DNC and Chalupa and Newland and all of it. Now I want Chalupas. Every time you bring up what's her name, Chalupa, I want a Chalupa for lunch. Yeah, not from Taco Bell. I'm going down. I'm going to a local joint. I can't eat that stuff, so it makes me sad. Well, I'll I'll, I'll consume for those who can't. Thank you, Mike, for taking You're well. That. It's Very my calm. bullet. My bullet. Um, <laughs> I know we're like uh, two thirds of the way through the show here, but um, what, what else? I don't want to yammer on about this for so long that we missed some of the other primo topics uh, that you wanted to get to. Well, we've got uh, we've got the 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 quiet uh, amending of the death count of children from COVID on Friday. Yeah. So um, what happens on Friday? Uh, Document dump time, right? It's when government agencies, presidents, press secretaries put out documents uh, after usually three or four o'clock in the afternoon because they know most of the Hamptons crew or the people who vacation at their summer homes have left the office for the day. So the CDC put out a report on uh, children's deaths of COVID. And what was the amendment? 25% reduction. Gee. In, co- in deaths in children from COVID. 25% as the New York City Health Commissioner, or whatever his name is, the crazy, crazy, tyrannical authoritarian, says that we have to continue to mask our kids forever because they can't get the vaccine, which has been proven, as we've talked about before, not to do really much of anything in terms of preventing infection at all. Well, especially in children. I think there's a greater risk of causing a problem in children than there is to helping block it. But the fact that, are you sure it wasn't 0.25 or 2.5? Oh, no, no. It was 25%. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention has removed tens of thousands of deaths linked to COVID-19, including nearly a quarter of deaths it had listed in those under 18 years old. The problem is that the statistics that they use there are they're cited by doctors when they're pushing for vaccines and masks and other things that we, you know, make our kids and our lives a living hell for absolutely zero reason. And then they don't pay any attention when that statistic is changed. For example, just a few days before this happened, there was a report that came out. Child COVID deaths rise in the U.S. Omicron BA.2 subvariant threatens to deepen record surge of U.S. child deaths. So listen, Mike, it's okay to pull at the heartstrings about your kids when they want to force vaccinate them, but not if they're being sexually abused by the family members of people in office. (sighs) And and we still don't know what happened to the the Senate aide who leveled charges against Joe Biden. But we're not allowed to ask about it. We're not allowed to see the details on that because Joe's got his papers under lock at University of Delaware, not far from me. And they're not going to open up those papers at all. No, no. We, we just have to be quiet about that. The um, the column that I'm referencing here is from the World Socialist website, WSWS.org. And it says, the staggering rise in child deaths seen throughout the Delta and Omicron waves of the pandemic, minus 25%, continues to reach new heights. Now, listen, that means that there are, no child death is okay, right? Right. But it's, it's the percentage of children Before the change, the CDC listed 1,755 children as dying from Mm COVID-19. It cut 416 deaths from that. So now we're almost at 1,000 deaths out of 900,000? I don't know how many children are in the United States. 
No, I'm talking about uh, that's the CDC numbers for for deaths in of American children, right? Or is that global? No, American children. But it's it's okay. it's it's one thousand seven hundred fifty five children had died before the change and eight hundred and fifty one thousand others had died. So they cut four hundred sixteen deaths among children and over seventy one thousand elsewhere. So. I don't believe any of the numbers anymore at all. That That is cutting, cutting numbers of deaths. Is that also giving us greater clarity on dying with COVID or from COVID? They don't tell you why they cut them. No, but I, w- I would like to know because there is a, there is a speculation in, again, some of my little chatty friends that 50% of the deaths were deaths with COVID, like the two guys in, in Denver who got shot. And when they did the autopsies, they found out they both had COVID, but COVID didn't kill them, but they're listed as COVID deaths. Well, some of the deaths in the tally still, um, or some of the deaths in the tally they caught do include people who died with, like, for example, several of them are drowning as a cause of death. Some were gunshots. Some but they're listed as COVID deaths. Correct. Well, again, financially incentivized to do so. So maddening. And then the other thing is the cases, because they would test the same person every single day and not differentiate that it was one person with several tests. It would just go into the pile of test numbers. Well, and there was a story this week, and I I apologize for not having it here to quote it chapter and verse about a gigantic cache of tests that are just invalidated because the new these are the ones they send you. Yeah, they just don't work. We did a report. Wendy Mahoney did a report about a lab. I'm going to put it in the show notes. Um, Hold on a second. Hold on. This might be the story I read. And I was trying to quote your own UncoverDC.com story. I'm pausing it for a sec. We published this uh, column June 5th of 2021, Mike. All right. North Dakota whistleblower exposes significant COVID testing problems. And- that's prior to this massive 500 million test mailing too. Oh yeah. This was about what had happened at this one laboratory responsible for the bulk of testing in North Dakota. And it is documented with, with like leaked documents and everything. What a disaster. So Uh, it's unmitigated disaster. And we're still no, you know, we're want to assign blame to find out who's responsible for unleashing this, but we seem to have no interest in finding that. Well, we do, a lot of people do, but not the people that are sitting in the, the houses of power. Alex Berenson, who I have severe qualms with, by the way, um, but does do good work on some things, published a column on March 18th talking about S- South Korea. I think I sent you this one this morning to look at. Yeah, I read it. It's, a, it's, a, it's on Alex's Substack, right? Yes. Okay. So they used South Korea as another one of those. Look what happens when you lock everybody down and don't let anybody out. You don't get any virus. It was such a rousing success stories. But they kept those things. The vaccination program, literally almost every single adult in South Korea was vaccinated with mRNA and DNA shots, depending on which ones they were using. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, it, it's just insane what's going on over there with with Omicron. Yeah, they've had the spike uh, along the lines of what China's saying. Shanghai Disneyland closed today, by the way. I, I And they're rolling back their restrictions. It's almost as though they said, I give up. So South Korea has had this exponential increase and they are not locking down. They're saying, let it rage and let's see if we can get to natural herd immunity. That That's what they're saying. They're doing it just it it just makes me kind of scratch my head a little bit because they're allowing travel and all kinds of other things. And it it just with the geopolitical climate, the way it is, makes me wonder if there's not a reason for that. Well, I I love your you default to skepticism on everything you are. You are probably an, an original subscriber to the Skeptical Inquirer magazine. <laughs> I'm skeptical about everything. Lit- well, that's good. That's good. Uh, healthy skepticism is what is science is about. What did you say this morning to me? Not everything is a lie. I, I said not everything is a lie because then everything would be the truth. If everything is false, 
then everything is true, right? Um, if you never tell the truth, then you can never tell a lie. So this came about because RFK sat with Megyn Kelly. <laughs> yes. And do you know, um, have you heard Robert Kennedy Jr. Um, recently? Had you heard him before this? Oh, yeah. Okay. He has a condition. Yes. Called spasmodic dysphonia. It is, um, it is a very rare but very serious condition that strikes your vocal cords. And the NIH has for almost three decades now been injecting people with spasmodic dysphonia with Botox right into their vocal cords. They go straight in through your neck. And I know this because my late father-in-law had it. And he would, he'd come into a room and go, how you doing, kid? How's it going? And then a day later, when he came back from the NIH and his shot, he'd say, how you doing, kid? How's it going? No, it works, huh? It works, but it wears off and your body builds up a tolerance to it. And he, Kennedy and I have had discussions about this. And I guess he's not using the Botox because oh. he really, he really sounds like he's struggling. His voice and this, this podcast with Megyn Kelly on a wide range of topics, including uh, anti-vaccination and, and big tech censoring people, it's four hours. Really? It's four. It's broken up into two uh, blocks, but it's four hours. And I have to tell you, Megyn Kelly, and, you know, we've talked in the past. It's a little tough to hear. Let me tell you what's going on for four hours. It's very difficult at some points. Well, I'm, I'm interested to hear it because I have mixed uh, opinions on Megyn Kelly. A lot of people do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just I have never personally and I don't think I ever would done an interview where I've maintained I would do one thing. And then when I left, did something else. Yeah, that's uh, that could be sneaky Pete stuff. I don't right. like it. But um, my experiences with Megan have been positive. That's good. I don't. And, I, and so I, I haven't had that other experience. But this this four hours goes into, as I said, uh, tech censorship where and I don't know if he was teeing her up by saying you're brave for interviewing me because he's so anti-vax and he's worried that big tech will cancel her like they, what they did to Rogan. Well, and, uh, and what, the, what the, happened in their post-production? I don't know what you mean. What do, what do I know about post-production? No, I mean like, what did she do in post-production that will protect her from being censored? I don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And, and you also you had mentioned that she fact checked it in real time. Yeah, they were saying, because she has a producer. I Her producer is a guy named Steve Krakauer, who I respect. I think he's a fair media critic. Um, he's got a good uh, a good regular sub stack and post out there, too. And he came, he escaped from CNN. And I consider him to be a reasonable guy who will look at things like you do with a healthy dose of skepticism. And he comes in knowing where they're going and knowing what Kennedy has said in the past on it. And so if he brings something up that they have believed is not true, they will address it. So there was a live and after the fact, fact check. So maybe I haven't heard the whole four hours yet. Maybe Megan stops and interjects and says, Robert said this, or she calls him Bobby, which is really irritating. Um, and, and we found that to be true or not. So I, I want to wait to see the whole thing. And when you and I started talking this morning, the full podcast was not yet posted. No, it's not. And I said to you, how can they fact check anything when all of the facts that they're using to check are false? Again, if you never tell the truth, then you can never tell a lie. I don't know. I, I, none of the, none of the uh, institutions that she's going to use to quote fact check are going to be anything but anti or pro pro the shots are safe and everything's great with them. None of them. Because I don't know. I don't I think you have to wait till you hear it. I, I'm going to listen to it with with a with a very optimistic perspective. And a jaundiced ear. You don't have jaundiced eye, you have jaundiced ear. I'm I'm just I'm very I'm very uh skeptical. Again. <laughs> Again. 
<laughs> because I've seen this happen in, in, in real time so many times. Well, you know, the NIH says, and, you know, one of the clips that you shared, let, let's here, let's just play it. How's that? Which one? Which where the we The one where she's saying um, it's the Megyn Kelly and, and RFK debate vaccines in the CDC clip. That's a minute and 20 seconds long. Do you want me to play it on my end? Or yeah. Play it on your end. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, let me see if it's uh, if it's if got you a stupid commercial in front of it. Of course it does, and uh, the commercial will be done in just a second here. No worries. Skip it, and uh, he's he's sitting in front of a bookcase, and I wonder if it's rented books. You know, like books by the foot that we- they. Do. <laughs> we we should talk about that one day. But here it is. Here's that um, this little brief clip. You cannot show me a study that says that shows that the flu vaccine actually averts more problems than it causes. You cannot show me that study. If you show me that study, then I will walk away from that issue. So if you couldn't understand him, and this again, this is a this is a the thing that Botox helps. You cannot show me a site that shows that the flu vaccine is helpful. If you show me that, I'll walk away. Right. You said Isn't you can't that- show me a study. You can't show me a study. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. So I'll let it go. So Megan's going to respond to that and they'll go back and forth. Mm-hmm. I know, I, but every time I say, and I, listen, I understand I've ceded to you the point that the CDC is not necessarily a public health organization, but that doesn't mean that everything they've ever said is wrong and that we get to discard every single study that they've done. You know, there are hundreds of millions of people who have gotten these vaccine vaccines who are perfectly healthy, perfectly healthy in part, thanks to the vaccines. They're not walking around with measles. They're not walking around with flu. They're not walking around with rubella. They don't have hep B. Those are good things. The vaccines are not all bad just because we have suspicions about some of them. And in particular, the COVID vaccine, it doesn't mean we can, and because you started that you started this Bobby by saying, I am not anti-vax. You started it by saying, I'm not. And then you cited as evidence of that, the fact that you had all of your, well, let me finish. You cited as evidence of that, that you had all of your children vaccinated. And then when I said, well, then if you have all these concerns. Why did you have your children vaccinated? And you say, well, I didn't know any of this back then. So the fact that you had your children vaccinated does not suggest you are not anti-vax. And listening to you now for an hour, you sound very anti-vax to me. Kind of interesting. I'm anti-vax. Uh, every vax? Um, n- yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think that's your position. And I went through the era of... Uh, Polio vaccinations. When I was four, I think we had to get polio vaccines. I have a question for you. Yeah. You had said that Parkinson's was caused by a virus the other day. I had said that Parkinson's, and this is according to, and I I will have, I'll double check my statement with my buddy, who is a doctor at the Cleveland Clinic, said that they believe Parkinson's was born out of the Spanish flu and it's the essentially the long COVID of Spanish flu. So how are people diagnosed with, oops, well, that's not what I wanted. How are people diagnosed with Parkinson's now who have not been infected with the Spanish flu? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. And that's a question I need to ask. And I will when I talk to, I talk to my buddy on Tuesday night and I'll have the answer for you on Wednesday when we next meet. Fantastic. That's a really great question. God, you're smart. <laughs> I can't get away with anything with you, Tracy. No, you can't. I paused before I answered you. Did you remember it? Do you remember? W- when? Just now? No, the other the other day when we were having our little vaccine back and yes, forth. Yes, you did. You did pause. Because I, I ran that through in my head and I, I just, I didn't have it formulated nicely. So I didn't want to stop the flow of our wonderful conversation, which I think was wonderful, by the way. Well, I'll, I'm, I'm, I have my notebook here because I'm old. I don't just dictate things into a device. I'm writing down for Roizen question. I want to hear it. I want to hear the pen. You will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Parkinson's question. I'll ask him. To end the show yeah. today, I'm, I'm, I'm directed to ask you a question, Mike. Yeah. Russians and tennis? Yeah, and this is interesting. As you know, I have a serious family interest in the world of tennis. My nephew, currently one of the highest ranked tennis players in the world, either the number one or two ranked American tennis player, and he plays against uh, people from all over the world. And the, the last the last tournament they played in, or he played in, there were people from, several people from Russia, 
and several people from the Belarus area of uh, the world. And looking forward to some of the biggest tennis tournaments in the world are about to happen in May and June and July with the French Open and the, um, the Wimbledon tournament. The tennis groups, the people that run those tournaments, are considering demanding Russian and Belarusian players formally, publicly denounce Vladimir Putin before they are allowed to play. So basically they want them to commit suicide with a bullet to the back of the head? Well, the interesting thing with these guys like uh, uh, Daniil Medvedev, who is the number two tennis player in the world, um, and, and some of these other guys is they don't live in Russia. They haven't lived in Russia for a while. Once you make money, you get the hell out of Russia. They live in Monte Carlo. Now, do they regularly come back for like the Moscow Open? Yeah, but I'm guessing they won't be doing that because the tour won't go back there. But here's my question. ATP can do this, but isn't it a little prejudiced not to then ask every tennis player from every country? I mean, that shows you. I don't, I don't like the idea of making them pledge because that drags them into the politics. They all have said they're for peace and they want peace in their home country. But should they have to pledge? And if if the Russians and Belarusians have to pledge, why shouldn't every tennis player have to pledge? I'm not a very big fan of of Serbia per se, but they have a a rabid group of soccer fans, I guess you could call them, mm-hmm. who over the weekend played hooligans, a li- hooligans usually. <laughs> they played a little stunt where they started singing. All we are saying is give peace a chance, and the entire audience watching this game held up signs of the United States's invasions into other countries over the past couple decades. So that was planned. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's to point out that, yeah, we've invaded places and we've considered it was the right thing to do and the correct thing to do. And we are pointing at Russia saying, what the hell are you doing? And Vlad saying, well, I'm cleaning up Nazis. Should we um, be apologizing? Um, no, I don't think we should. Generally, we're asked to come in and help. We just don't walk in. You think? And start doing that. I, I do. I do think generally. But I, I'm just, um, I, I think sports needs to be separate from politics is all I'm saying. I think that it would be a much better world if we had some outlet somewhere. For what? To just relax. Yeah, sports is one. Comedy clubs, as we discussed earlier, would be another. Another one for us, yeah. Well, thanks for joining me today, Mike. You have been listening to the Dark Delight Podcast with... Mike Opelka. And Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. And check out the Locals community, people. It's uncoverdc.locals.com. We will see you back on Wednesday. We're not going to see anybody. It's radio and podcasting. It's just audio. Come on. We'll listen to you. Okay. This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. Spring break is upon us. There's millions and millions of people from elsewhere. There's labor shortages. Um, Have you tried to fill up your tank lately? I mean, I've done this podcast for a long time, and a lot of time we talked about a lot of a lot of times just bad mouth and Donald Trump, to be honest with you. And I will say a lot of things like most of it wasn't political. Very few of it was a little, was very little. It was political because I don't really know that much about politics. I know this: whatever the hell Joe Biden's doing, it ain't good for the pocketbook. It ain't so good. Okay, so once again, Joe's more likable, but they all suck. They all suck. Every president sucks and does what he does for, for his own pocketbook and everybody around him to make sure they retain their cushy-ass jobs, okay? So I, I'm not Republican. I ain't Democrat. I ain't nothing. I don't like titles. But I also don't like paying $100 to fill up my tank of gas, okay? My car ain't that damn big. Everything's expensive all the time now, and there ain't a whole lot we can do about it. There's labor shortages, 
Everybody's raising the prices. They say the average hotel in Tampa is $215. This is Tampa. I just came from uh, Nashville. I spent a couple nights downtown, middle of Nashville. $700 for a hotel room. Nice hotel, but not that damn nice. Our, our world is going in a funny place. We better catch ourselves quick because we're just bombing each other and this, we want to seem to be mad at each other for some dumb shit. Masks and mandates and we're so busy about being pissed off at each other that uh, we're not really understanding what's really important. You know what I'm saying? You can find Ian Beckles' Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.